0: welcome to life together a podcast for Gresham bible church where we exist to glorify god in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel on this episode i have a conversation with joel woodard who is the lead pastor of hollyview church i asked joel to come on the podcast first because he's a local pastor who is all about the gospel And second, I wanted Joel to share more about a Christian counseling model that helps when you're dealing with change and even trauma, a model that we can apply in our context and this season we're in as a local church. Joel is a dear brother, and I trust you'll find this discussion both helpful personally and also helpful in equipping you to effectively minister to others. BBC, we have a special guest with us on the podcast today, Joel Woodard. Joel, thank you for joining us on this super fancy setup we have here in our podcast room. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So, um, I think a lot of people at Gresham Bible Church know who you are personally or by name, but why don't we kind of give people a chance to get to know you some before we really dive into kind of the main emphasis we wanted to discuss on today's podcast. So first, why don't you just tell us about yourself? What should Gresham Bible Church know about you?
1: Hmm. Uh, I grew up moving all around, uh, so I feel like I've got connections to just about everybody anywhere. So I was born in... Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were in North Carolina, Missouri, uh, Wisconsin, Ohio, Georgia, Chicago, Colorado, and then out out oh here. Oh my goodness! Jeez. Um, so kind of moved around just a ton, which is it's given me um, boy, lots of different experiences in many different cultures. Uh, grew up to believing parents, accepted the Lord through Awana programs okay. when I was when I was little.
0: Uh, Do you still have your trophies?
1: I don't, I wish I had all my little (laughs) gems and stars and crowns and we did it for, for years and just loved it. Our parents would drop us off and it was through one of those books. There was a story that my mom read to me and, um, I just accepted the Lord that night, but probably like most people that grew up in Christian homes, uh, I was a good kid, but didn't really, didn't really, didn't really become my whole life until later on. Uh, In high school, I had a car accident and should have passed away or become Mm. disabled. I broke my C5 vertebrae. Whoa. Uh, My senior year, got um, pneumonia while I was on a ventilator in a coma. Um, And so that lasted for a while. I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. uh, Got out in January. My senior year uh, was behind several months in school, but I had done well with my academics. So all my teachers and the administration said, yeah, um, we want him to graduate with his friends. So uh, finished out uh, that year and knew what I wanted to do and wanted to play soccer at Cedarville College in Ohio where, where we had uh, spent several years mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, and just the Lord's sovereignty through all that stuff just led me uh, to kind of a crisis of faith or the moment of this mm-hmm. really decision my freshman year. I uh, ended up staying down in Georgia and going to college, and it was during that first year that I, I just basically gave my life over to the Lord. I said, okay, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, uh, I'll do. And that led me over to Eastern Europe, uh, Czech Republic, and it's been about two years all altogether. Uh, Eastern Europe was kind of my backyard. Just loved it over mm-hmm. there. That's where I met my wife, who came from uh, a Good Shepherd uh, team, and we met over there in '96. And um, or 98. I don't even remember now. That's old. <laughs> and then again in 2000. And in 2000, that's really where we uh, met, fell in love. Last took about two, three weeks to figure out where we we're going to go on our honeymoon, and then uh, moved out here and married Amy. Spent a couple years at Good Shepherd uh, before we went over to Slovenia as missionaries. We were over in Slovenia for seven years had two kids over there. And then the Lord moved us back. We were in South Carolina, Charleston with my parents for about six months. And then the Lord opened the door to be a pastor at Cornerstone Church here in Gresham mm-hmm. and was was there for nine years. And now I'm at Hollyview, been at Holly, Hollyview for the last three years, out in, in between Damascus and Boring.
0: What an awesome story, yeah. man. A lot of quick follow-up questions. Do, you <laughs> yeah. two, do your two oldest kids have dual citizenship in Slovenia? No. Slovene? Okay. So
1: in, in Slovenes are very proud of their okay. citizenship, mm-hmm. and so you can only hold one citizenship. Okay. So, and if uh, and if we they it would have to be either me or Amy uh, or Slovene, and then we'd have to choose between American or Slovene. Oh, wow. But since we were both American, they couldn't get it anyway. They told us, we're not like America. We don't just give out our <laughs> citizenships here. So so they're both American citizens. Wow.
0: So you meeting Amy on a mission trip, are you giving hope to all high schoolers that maybe I too can meet my spouse yes. at a camp or mission trip we, experience?
1: We keep talking to our daughter, Abigail, <laughs> who I think <laughs> is probably going to go that way of mm-hmm. finding someone overseas. It's
0: a good way to go. It's not yeah. bad. Yeah. Not a bad way to do it. Yeah. So you've basically lived Almost everywhere in the United States, it sounds like. And then also greater Europe. And
1: Yeah. Lots of places. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. I can't believe you kept that all straight. Although I can't quiz you to know if you, that yeah. was true or not. Yeah. You might have made a path of that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't though. Uh, well, how about one question we like to ask people um, is tell us one thing about yourself that maybe people don't know about you. Right. So the primary audience of this podcast is Gresham Bible Church. That could be easier. But let's say even someone from Hollyview listens in. Yeah. Maybe even one of your dear friends. What's something that most people don't know about you?
1: Hmm. I think they're uh, well, one, I like to travel. That's but you can kind of uh, <laughs> you could probably figure that out. I think I'm funnier than I am. Uh, <laughs> And I think uh, that happens with being a dad. Is that yeah, maybe the totally. dad too?
0: Yeah, it yeah. could be a pastor thing too. Yeah. I think.
1: I think most people think I'm pretty serious, or I don't know. Yeah. But I'm actually. I really like to laugh. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Being being funny. Okay. I like to dance, but nobody knows that. Oh, that's a good one Whoa. right there.
0: But what? only at home. Like, what type of dancing are we talking about? Yeah, just. Do you have secret jokes, dancing fun. skills?
1: <laughs> So I grew up oh, so when I was in Georgia, it was a pretty inner city school. Hmm. And so all we had was prom. We had one dance, and the prom was was pretty uh, getting jiggy with it, like <laughs> so that's. That's the experience I had in high school dances.
0: Podcast listeners so. you can't see, but Jill's dancing for us right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Give me some music. Well, I respect you and love you, and now I respect you even more, not knowing that you had those secret dance skills. Yeah, <laughs> Well I done. Yes. I don't think anyone's revealed that before. That yeah. No, I don't dance. think so. Thanks no, yeah. like for sharing the dance. that. All right. Well, before we kind of, again, dive into our main thing we wanted to talk about today, I just thought it'd be a really cool opportunity just to ask you on the podcast. So Gresham Bible Church, we pray for View mm-hmm. periodically. Yeah. i I love you i love hollyview how you guys love us it's just so thankful like for the mutual love of these churches right and so i just thought i'd ask you to help inform our prayers like how congression bible church when they think about hollyview how can we be praying for you guys
1: yeah well thank you for doing that Mm -hmm. we appreciate the the partnership uh there's probably two fronts you can pray for. Um, we've seen a, a growth of lots of people in the last probably six months. Uh, and and really, um, it's kind of like, you know, building the airplane in the sky. We, we want to <laughs> have just enough structure that connects people. Um, but we want to have something that people feel like they're getting discipled and moving, it, moving ahead, especially like Christians who who have come and just a season of life they're mm-hmm. in there and they're there. We want to see them grow and challenged and mm-hmm. uh, dig into the word and, um, really make that commitment to a community of, of faith. Uh, so that's one of the prayers as we are gearing up for this, this next season to be like, how do we, how do we continue to challenge and grow and disciple people? Uh, and the other one would be, we, we have a number of people that, um, I would say are are curious about Christ or um, stage of life, or for, for some reason have found themselves at Hollyview mm-hmm. and don't necessarily uh, the phrases, I can't wrap my, my mind around this faith thing yet. Mm. You know, we just need God to open mm. eyes and there's, there's a handful of people that are there, which is super exciting. Yeah. And it's just a journey that they're on. So you could, you could be praying for that as well. Um, also with the, with the increased growth, we need more people to rise up and be leaders. Mm -hmm. So we'll be looking for another elder or two in the next six months, year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's probably a continual thing, right? Always Mm -hmm. looking for, uh, for men to, to rise up to leadership as elders to care for the church and help shepherd it. Uh, And then just leaders for youth ministry and women's ministry and just leaders. Okay. Um, that'd be great. Oh. And the last one more. Uh, the last one is uh so we were gifted with like 10 acres of land out there and we've used five of it for the last 40 whatever years. Um uh, and last year the nursery worker that or nursery owner that we had this lease with um was failing health. So he, he reverted mm-hmm. the land back to us. So we've gotten five acres of land that we just cleared and we're gonna be seeding and planting. Um Probably in September or October, whenever whenever it rains, uh, and then it's just the decisions and the wisdom of what do we do next? Church league with football, it. church leagues. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> there, I mean, there's so many opportunities, and yeah. wanting to do it wisely, and yeah. not wanting to get a, not wanting to make any building the the focus of the church. Mm-hmm. So we we have this phrase: we move at the speed of discipleship. Mm. Um, so whatever we do, we want to move at the speed of discipleship. So we have a good, bu- huge building, but if we got nobody in it being discipled, it's for that's for nothing. Yeah. So it's kind of a check and balance we have. But we also know there we'll need some wisdom and discernment as we move move yeah. ahead.
0: That's good. That's so wise and a life giving approach or lens to see it through. Man, praise God for mm. yeah, everything really happening kind of in this church. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks for sharing that. Yep. If I'm um, remembering this correctly, uh, again, because you're a pastor at heart, uh, you checked in with me and wanted to check in on how Gresham Bible Church is doing uh, with the change from the Howis um, leaving for California. You and I met for lunch at Chick-fil-A, always a good idea. Mm-hmm. And you shared with me this really helpful model to how to think about kind of emotional hurt, crisis, trauma, all of that. And I just thought it'd be really helpful for Gresham Bible Church to hear you kind of unpack that for us and really equip us and help us as a church with maybe just some helpful ways or lenses to see some things. So that's the reason for our conversation today is to have you um, have the opportunity to just kind of Walk us through some of that. So yes, as yeah. a pastor and also in your role as a chaplain. Mm-hmm. So maybe kind of paint the picture for us, like, you know, the roles you've had, and then we're going to dive into crisis and trauma and how to think about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of overlap between pastor and chaplain. Uh, I would say the chaplain, I've been able to more firsthand some crisis and trauma because you get called out to some of that uh, mm-hmm. stuff, uh, but it overlaps. And and I think uh, there's... There's uh, some tools I learned along the way that not only I feel I like can help other people, like help me mm-hmm. in processing uh, through change and crisis. Uh, and I've been able to see uh, work out with other people and specifically like um, officers uh, around here who have gone on like pretty traumatic calls. Mm-hmm. But to be able to work through that and to see them get to the other side of it is just Amazing, and then also, but people in the church as well who are dealing with, uh, yeah, a crisis or a change or, or something traumatic in their in their life, to be able to help them work uh, through that. So there was there's just a little there's a little like method or process you go through. It seems very succinct and clear, but it's actually a long. It's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, so even as we talk about it, it'll it'll feel pretty like oh here's step one, here's step two. But that's you know just like everything in life, mm-hmm. that's really not how it always works, Uh, but it is helpful to know, like um, what are the steps you go through? What are you listening for with someone who has experienced some traumatic event or Mm -hmm. some crisis in, uh, in their life? Um,
0: So I don't know if you want me to just walk through. Yeah. How about, how about yes, but maybe put a placeholder on that first, help us think about clearly, accurately, you know, we hear the word trauma. I don't want us to get high centered just on that. So, you yeah, know, yeah. think about, you know, what you've shared with us, you know, emotional hurt, crisis, trauma, that's kind of on a spectrum. Maybe walk us through what's different about each of those things and then we'll move to this model. Yeah, that sound good?
1: Yep. That's great. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, Yes. And also just to, to say, and I know I've told you this before, I'm a practitioner and not a <laughs> yes t- scholar. So these are like practical, helpful things. So uh, these are not at all academic mm-hmm. um, definition or anything, but there is, there wasn't an academic definition, a precipitating event that exceeds someone's internal or external resources. Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> nice job. So, just saying that
1: off the top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it's the idea that when something comes along that you don't have, um, the, the resources within you or outside of you to get through and then kind of to return back to a normal. Mm -hmm. Um, so a crisis is, is normally, when you think of a crisis is normally even an event or a punctuated time. Um, uh, uh, yeah, just a one-time thing. Whereas a, a trauma then is like almost a psychological or emotional injury. Mm -hmm. So you can think of it more of as an injury that's ongoing. So just like you, um, you break your leg that, that would be more like a a trauma. The crisis would be that you were skateboarding when you shouldn't have been or something like that. Uh, so trauma is more like an ongoing, it's interrupting and usually it's described when you're asking people, is it, uh, have you changed, uh, sleeping patterns? Are you eating differently? Uh, is there some kind of like, like angst in your gut or do you have tense in your neck? Is mm-hmm. it coming out like physically, uh, in that? Are you thinking through patterns differently? Are your emotions, mm. uh, are you angrier than normal? Are you more lethargic than normal? Like it's changed your normal, normal patterns. And that usually uh, develops into some trauma in, in your life. Mm. Um, most people, you'll find out, like uh, they'll they'll hit a crisis moment, and then they'll uh, pretty easily be able to regulate and go back to normal. And that's mm-hmm. probably what it's amazing how God's created us yeah. to do that. Um, and so not everything that's a crisis is going to end up in trauma. And I would say for the most part, it, it doesn't. And, and the studies have actually uh, shown, though, the biggest, the number one factor, if you'll get through these crisis and trauma events, is the community that you have around you. Hmm. Wow. Um, so more than like counseling, psychologists, drugs, anything, it's the the community that's around you because they they help regulate you and get you back into the normal swing of things. Mm-hmm. So that's... The church, right? That's yeah. what God's created. it. For. Amen. Yeah, and so, I'll just
0: say this as we're gonna kind of talk about the model. Like when we were at Chick-fil-A, again, Chick-fil-A, if I say it so many times, we get a new sponsorship <laughs> on the podcast. But with Chick-fil-A, <laughs> uh, you shared it. Yeah, it's trauma, but it's crisis. It can even be just in times of change, change helpful yep. way to think about it. And then especially thinking about our church, I'm sure this is true in any church family. Some people have gone through real hard trauma on the spectrum, right? And then when even change happens, they might have a harder time with even when it's just change because it might feel like trauma. Mm -hmm. And so it's really helpful for us to understand it. I think, um, through those terms. So yeah, why don't you walk us through as a pastor and as as a chaplain, how do you help people in this, right? What's this model?
1: Yeah. And I'll just add on to what you just said too. There, a lot of times, uh, change means loss or grief, Mm -hmm. which is a crisis. Mm -hmm. So, um, it doesn't have to be, Well said you were in a six car pile up like it it could just be you got a promotion at work and it's new hours. And so what how are you going to deal with with that? That's a crisis moment, Uh, even if it's a good one. It's it changes stuff. So that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. so the uh, and here's what I've here's what I've found Uh, when people are working through something. Uh, They'll usually want to talk about it Mm -hmm. to kind of process through it. Even internal processors, there's, there's at some point that they've thought through it enough that they're going to like kind of regurgitate it or get it or get it (laughs) out, um, process it uh, with somebody. Um, And then often one of the first red, like red flags for me is when someone tells me the same set of events or details two or three times mm, mm. And, and you're like, they're, they're processing, they're processing through this event, but they don't know where to go. It's just like, mm. they're spinning, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when I hear somebody go, Hey, uh, they relate something or it's some traumatic event in their past. And they tell me about it again. Oh yeah. Well, this and this. And, and if they repeat the events over and over again, I go, Oh, it's some, mm. they need, they need to help moving out or getting mm. unstuck. Uh, from that, uh, one little note about so that's the that's the very first thing yeah. uh, for anyone that's been in a crisis or trauma. Like, we will just uh, the changing of pastors at GBC is a crisis event, mm-hmm. and so I think some of it. And you guys have done. I mean, I've listened to some of your videos that you put out, or uh, I forget what the word. I mean, the way you've walked through this has just been beautiful, uh, and I think very God honoring. But a lot of it is uh, let's just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's not shove it under and let's just not move on, uh, with, with things. Let's, let's just talk about it. Uh, a lot of times, especially with officers, we talk about crisis as you've been given an apple. Uh, and a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want to deal with it. So you want to shove it in your pocket, but at some point you have to eat the apple. Yeah. And so people get frustrated and some fine, I'll eat it. They'll pull out the apple and they'll shove it in their mouth and try and swallow an apple. Well, you can't swallow, an, you can't <laughs> swallow an apple. Like you'll, you'll choke on it. And you see people when they start trying to do that, they'll come up with tears or they'll get frustrated or whatever. Uh, the best way to eat an apple is just a bite at a time. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's kind of, even the where the self-regulating of a community comes and helps out as you're talking through uh, these things, it's, it's super helpful to do. So that's the first thing like, Hey, just tell me what happened. What's uh-huh. the gist of, of what happens and have them, uh, go through that. Um, I can also talk um maybe, maybe just mention just a little bit the the way we tell stories shapes our memories of the events. Uh-huh. So I remember that it was one hundred and one degrees on my wedding day twenty one years ago. <laughs> and why do I remember it was that you know that temperature on our wedding day? Well, because it was a very it was a high emotional day for me, and there memories. And those events are what I told people, Oh, and it was really hot that day. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it was really hot that day. Now there are events that I couldn't tell you of that day or details because I never repeated them. And so they almost faded out of memory. Hmm. Like I don't, I honestly don't remember a whole, like I couldn't remember a whole 24 hours on that day. So I picked and choose. And as I told people the story of my wedding day, it solidified that story. And, um, really truncated it in areas and expanded it in other areas. But that's become my wedding day. My wedding day is, is what I've is in some sense, what I've made of it. Uh, And so as, as, um, and we'll talk about that just a little bit more when we get like the, the third step down. Uh, But the gist of what happens is as you're telling that over and over again, you're develop, you're making or developing the story that you're going to remember. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. So, so the way that you talk about things is is super important. And as you're asking people or listening to people like, oh, tell me about how that, what, what happened, what the gist of what happened in that, uh, you can start picking up on some of those, like the way they're talking about it. Uh, and picking up the story that they're telling, Mm -hmm. that they're telling themselves and other people. So, but if they've gone through that and they're just telling, they're like in that whirlwind, you know, they're just stuck in this thing. The next question is really the emotions, uh, that were attached to that event. Okay. What, what emotions were you, were you feeling? Uh, and so let me just real practically for GBC, uh, what happened is uh, Josh had a calling. and I, don't, I actually don't know all the details, but Josh had a calling to another church. You blessed him on the way out, and now you're left with, we need another pastor. Mm-hmm. That's the gist of of what happens. Uh, and if people are just like, yep, uh, Josh left, and now we're stuck with no pastor. Yep, Josh left, and now we're stuck with no pastor. Even how you say that mm-hmm. is shaping or forming that story. Uh but to move on from there, you need to talk about the emotions you're feeling. Mm. How, how are you feeling? And, and honestly, I think you guys have done great with this talking about those feelings because it's, it's a mixture okay. of both like sadness mm-hmm. uh, and grief. There's a huge loss. I mean, it, mm-hmm. we love the house like, oh, yeah, we still love them. <laughs> They're not yeah, gone, but right. like we love the house So that's so we're gr- you're grieving that, but at the same time, you're hopeful. We're like, okay, well, what's God doing? Because you yep. know he's not abandoned his church. Amen. So where where is he moving us? What's he what's he doing? And so all those emotions are really gonna help you uh even share that, share that story. So um maybe not with the GBC's pastor thing, if it's um some other event that happened and someone's telling you over and over again, and you say, Well, how'd that make you feel? What what emotions were involved in that? And that normally stops people in their tracks and they're like, uh. Mm. I I don't really I don't know or mm. I have these competing emotions mm-hmm. that I can't even sort sort through them but that's actually um, that's actually what what helps you get out of that spin cycle uh, to check into your heart and to see well what what am I feeling about this? Am I frustrated angry sad um, am I hopeful and you know where where am I at in that? And then, especially as you're working with, like, as you're listening to each other in this, uh, then you can you really go on to the third thing. So, that's the gist of what happens. And then you want to see what's the emotions attached or what's the emotions involved in, in that incident. And the third thing is what's the meaning that's being ascribed to the event? Mm-hmm. The meaning being ascribed to the event. Uh, and you can really hear that uh, in the words that they're saying and the emotions that they're feeling in that. Um so if you said something like Josh got another calling and he abandoned us to, uh, <laughs> California, right. Then you're painting the story of like, yeah, maybe God's not in control. Mm-hmm. May, may, you know what I mean? Like you're, so the meaning that you're actually giving to the event is out of control. Chaos yeah. doesn't have any purpose. Uh, and so as you listen to, as you listen to each other, then trying to help and give framework for w- where is God at work in the event that you are at and how and how is he going to use it for his good? And then reframing the story with the meaning that God ascribes mm-hmm. wow. uh, to things, which I think is really powerful that we can do as Christians. Uh, we can read we can see things and give meaning to things through a theological lens mm-hmm. rather than just uh, I don't yes. know why that happened. Yeah. and. and doesn't life stink? Mm-hmm. So, Amen.
0: Wow. So um, in that third stage, kind of the meaning applied to the event, like maybe kind of help bring us into that. I know you can't give a specific, you know, real life example, but yeah. maybe kind of paint the picture for us. What could that look like, sound like, etc.? So you're listening for that. Do you yeah. ever speak into that moment to so help let, someone let me see give you it? Some yeah.
1: generic, because it is Yeah, like, they're super highly personal and usually totally. people that are, uh, wrestling through these things. It's, it's deeply emotional. I'll just give you a generic thing. Let's say there's an officer who arrived at the scene of a car crash. Um, and they were giving someone CPR and they, they died. Uh, there were bystanders looking on and there's nothing they could do about it. Uh, so if I got together with that guy, I would say, Hey, just tell me what, what, just of what happened. Mm -hmm. You're first on scene, second on scene. Like, what was the situation? I think because they're going to want to tell you that they're going to want to because they're processing it. Uh, and then the next thing is like, well, what had that make you feel when you first got on scene? What are the emotions going through you? Like, I can imagine I would be this. What would what were you feeling? And and, you know, they might feel like oh, I felt hopeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't do anything for him. I, I felt like I didn't have what it took to rescue this person, like everyone was counting on me, all the bystanders mm-hmm. that were filming me, were, were they knew I was trained and I'm supposed to be a, a helper to respond to them and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I felt helpless, I felt angry, I feel like I'm not a good officer. So you see that, you hear the meaning that then they're, mm-hmm. they're ascribing to the event is that I'm not a good officer, I didn't have what it took, I couldn't get there. And so then helping them to see like, well, did anyone else help step forward? Oh no! No one else stepped forward, so you were the only one. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, did you did, like? You were honestly trying to help. Yeah, I was truly really trying to help. Well, to see a face of someone who really cared in that moment of crisis. Mm-hmm. Boy, that I, I think that probably means a lot. Yeah, yeah. I guess it. I guess it did mean a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to reframe and repaint that story so that they'll see uh, Mm -hmm. that they'll, as they retell it then Mm -hmm. over and over again, and it solidifies, they're not telling, I couldn't, I got there and I couldn't help. They're saying, I got there and I was a friendly face that cared about them when no one else would step forward. Mm. Wow. Which that totally reframes, that totally reframes the story. Um, But ascribing meaning to the event is a process. It doesn't just, you don't just choose it like, yeah. oh, and now I'm going to do this. It's something you'd have to tell yourself over and over again. And sometimes you have to have other people that can speak into that and go, no, I'm just, let me just make an observation. Yeah. I've heard you say this multiple times. Do you really believe that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What have you thought about this? Have you, do you, have you seen this? Um, so I, I think helping each other reframe that and they usually say three to six months is about what you have and hmm. then the story becomes solidified.
0: Huh. Uh,
1: so after six months, the story you tell at six months is going to be the story you probably tell in 40 years, uh, the events and the details and uh, all that stuff. So so it's really critical three to, in the first three, six months uh, to help reframe or rephrase the stories so that you give the meaning that you want to remember uh, later on. And it's so funny that we wow. have the power uh, to do that, to take like God, this eternal perspective of God and place it on our lives and go, that wasn't meaningless. Yeah, mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. had a purpose for it. Uh, and he's, he's holding us. He's getting us through. And yes, this was a tough time, but wow, look at all these cool things that God is doing in the midst of it. Yeah. so. And I just commend you. I think you guys are doing, I I, I was like, Oh, Thanks. I don't mind coming and doing this, but you guys are doing it already. <laughs> like,
0: no, I, I mean, that's God's grace. And we want to be that kind of church. And you've been an encouragement to mm-hmm. us. And I just yeah. want to say, even this feels awkward saying this publicly on the podcast. I so appreciate you mm-hmm. that you're willing, of course, as a pastor shepherd to shepherd people in these things, but also giving of your time, um, to serve our community as mm. a chaplain in this way and yeah. how you adorn the gospel in that man, like you're running towards danger, so to speak, mm. uh, in a, in a good Jesus glorifying kind of yeah. way. Absolutely. So, yeah. And yeah. this mini Ted talk you just gave is useful for just us in general as a church mm-hmm. to just know how to help each other. Like, yeah. So I feel uh, like I'm like i definitely going to re-listen to this of like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good stuff for when I'm talking so it's to you. I,
1: I think it's even helpful for, um, for parenting and yeah. f- like friendships and everything. So uh, one of our kids came home uh, and they had a rough day and they were pushed down on the recess. Mm -hmm. Kids were running around. Someone pushed him from behind and he came home uh, and he was probably second grade. and, And I'm like, oh, you just see it in lenses of this. I'm like, well, what happened? So he tells me what happens. I'm like, well, how'd that make you feel? And he said, uh, and it took some time. I mean, this is making it simple, but he says, I feel like no one likes me. Mm. I feel like I don't have any friends. I feel like people don't care. So the meaning that he was describing to the event is, but well, that would have, that, that could have scarred him for uh-huh. a long time. And we're like, well, who was it that pushed down? Was this for this kid? What's their home like life? Mm. They're like, well, he doesn't live with his dad. He just lives with his mom. And and this is what's happened with this. And I think he had like – he seemed to be really off because he was really upset at the teacher too. And I was like, boy, it sounds like this kid was just having a problem. I don't – it sounds like he's really kind of broken Mm. and needing – like he just needs some grace, I think. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he probably wasn't—he probably wasn't targeting you. It doesn't sound like. No, he probably wasn't. And helping kids yeah. give the meaning—the meaning is not nobody likes you. You're all alone. The meaning was this kid is broken and needs yes. some grace and sympathy in his life. And to see it even switch in a second year, like second grader, yeah. uh, is pretty powerful. Then the last, so the last thing. So there's there was the three. So the gist of what happens. Uh, the emotions involved in it or attached to it, the meaning that you ascribe to the event. And then once you get there, it's, it's the fourth step is the, it's an S it's the strategies uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. So what strategies can you gain from going through that that can help you the, the next time through it? So we called the model, which I learned from Kay Bruce. She was a counseling professor at uh, Western it's called gems. So G E M S. Gem. Hmm. Gems. So gist of what happened, emotions involved, meaning ascribed to it, and then strategies moving, moving forward. So as you look back and go, boy, I can see where this was helpful or this wasn't helpful. Or uh, so my son who was pushed down, and uh, what would what would be helpful n- next time? If you get pushed down again, what do you think? Of, you should do. And and then he can kind of script it. Well, I think I might talk to the teacher and then I, I might, I might see if he's doing, if that student's doing okay. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so he doesn't take it in in personally. So
0: that's, so that's it. Good. Gems. That's, that's great. G E M S. I'm going to remember that. Yes. It's not, it's okay. not hard to no not
1: Hard to remember. Yeah. I'm glad that you so, made that
0: so simple for me. You're like, Mike needs this that's really what simple. I need <laughs> too. We'll spell it out for you. Yeah. yeah. How about, um, I know there's so much more we could talk and explore about. And that's kind of the point of this podcast is we're not trying to create consumers at GBC, but it equips like real personal conversations around this. So it's kind of interface. I think the principles of that are biblical, right? Mm. But maybe to put a point on it, yet anywhere in the GEMS process, helping someone with whether it's emotional pain, crisis, Mm. all the way to trauma, like where do you see just those gospel connections, mm. right? Where does the gospel sing? Maybe in a real life example, you can speak to at a high level or key scriptures or attributes of God that you just, you know, kind of worship through, right? Like you said yeah. earlier, Christianity gives us that theological lens to ascribe real God-given meaning to things that other people just don't have. So I'd just yeah. love to hear you speak to that. And then as I've been reflecting on it in preparation for a conversation, I just had a few things maybe bounce around together to just, you know, encourage GBC. In that, from yeah, that perspective.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think it has so many applic. I mean, yeah, it has so many application totally. points. There is. Um, let me give you a picture of where this plays out. I think probably the. I mean, the clearest, at least in in my mind, I was preaching through Exodus probably t- two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and we get to Exodus uh, fourteen, fifteen, um, when well, the end of the end of fifteen, really, it's where. The Israelites get to the Red Sea. Um, they've just lived through 10 plagues. So let's talk about trauma and crisis. <laughs> like Big time. That's huge, right? And then they're set free. And then Pharaoh like, ah, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go destroy them. So now you have all these like vulnerable... Uh completely vulnerable people who think they're free on this emotional high of like, yeah, we're getting our freedom, but mm-hmm. wh- are we going to, how are we going to even get there? They're going the wrong direction. They're not going North. They're going like South mm-hmm. towards the red sea. They're stuck between the red sea and drowning or this army that comes. So if you want to talk about crisis and trauma, I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's a great, it's a great example of it. And, you know, and then you know the story. So then Moses, uh, up his staff and the water parts they go through uh, to the other side of the Red Sea. and then the you know staff goes down, the water comes in and then they, they witness like the decimation of an army that's yeah. drowned. Hmm. So these people have just lived through trauma. Observe trauma, watch trauma. Uh, and yet the way they work through this, at least how the Bible tells us, I'm like, it's just a perfect example of this, this gems, uh, idea. So in Exodus 14, I won't read it. Exodus 14 is the narrative of what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they get there. Um, there's the strong East wind, uh, that blows, uh, the red sea they walk through on dry it says dry ground they walk through on uh, but then when the egyptians are pursuing they're their their do you remember the wheels hmm. they get like bogged down in hmm. the the riverbed right
0: yeah but, but they to just dry. dry
1: ground right so they just walk through dry ground and then all of a sudden these wheels are getting bogged down they're like they're getting stuck so uh, that's that's super interesting and then as they're stuck in there, then the water comes down. And that's the narrative of the story. So uh-huh. it's pretty easy. Uh, Israel goes through dry ground. Army goes into where there is dry ground. Waters get bogged, like wheels get bogged down. Water goes over, they they all die. So they've just witnessed that. So that's the gist of what happened. And it's not, you know, exhaustive, but that's it's the story given to us through the spirit. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they're on the other side of the the Red Sea having just witnessed this. And the next thing they do is they sing the song mm. and and what's and why a song, why poetry? Because it, it like moves you, it moves your heart. There's emotions involved. That's why we sing at church because it just calls us out. It gives, mm-hmm. it's a different way. Uh, it's a different way to express yourself. Mm-hmm. So they sing this song uh, and the song, you know, Miriam's song, it's this repeated um this repeated phrase over and over again. So not only in the song do you have these emotions, but then you also see the meaning that they're ascribing to the event. And and the meaning is uh, several times it goes, the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Now, if you were just a pure, like literalist and you're like, but that's not right. Mm. They, they went into the Red Sea all on their own accord and right. the water like dumped on them and they drowned. Mm-hmm. God didn't throw any like he didn't throw anyone in there, but the the meaning that they're ascribing to the event is is tagged in that little line. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. Uh, so I think the meaning that Israelites are giving to this is our God is sovereign? and what the Egyptians were going to do with the babies? And throw them into uh-huh. uh, the sea. God has now brought his judgment and his holy righteousness uh, on them. And he has rectified justice and things are as they should be. God is control and sovereign. And wow. they do it by this phrase the horse and the rider is thrown to the sea. Huh. Uh, it's the meaning that they give yeah. to oh, the event awesome. that was just described, and then and then you even see the the strategy, the, hopefully the strategy moving forward, because the very next scene is they get to this water that's really bitter, and God makes it sweet. Yep. So the the bitter water uh, of the Nile that they were supposed to throw the babies into has become the sweet salvation of Israel. Uh, In becoming a nation and a people of God, like a chosen special people, he's taken the bitter water and made it sweet. So when you encounter that bitter water, just remember that that God is going to somehow make that water sweet. Hmm. And how is he going to do that? Well, the next time we get there, let's just remember that's a strategy. Uh, Moving, moving forward. So I just see in that story alone, I just see, wow, it's gems like, (laughs) yeah. Uh,
0: And you're not necessarily putting that model on top of the text and wanting to read into it. It's just helping to show what's there and it's coming out of the text. Right. Um, Wow.
1: So how do these people not become all traumatized? in the wilderness go, just shaking and going, what in the world? Yeah. Joel, that's <laughs> uh, so helpful it's to cool, hear. Oh, it? it's awesome. I uh, love
0: it. Yeah. And, and powerful mm. uh, in so many different ways. Yeah. I just to bounce it around and just to reflect and enjoy on it, just been thinking mm. about trauma and yeah. Then the people of Israel after that, right. Does that set them on a perfect path forward no not at all mm. and then so then the cross and just thinking about we're talking about emotional distress crisis trauma all of it like we know this but when you're feeling those things i think it's super helpful just to call it to mind in prayer mm. like our god knows mm. trauma Think about yeah. jesus being sent to the cross emotional emotional distress in the garden and crisis and trauma so christianity it's not foreign to us that like our God has tasted that more than any of us have. Yeah. You know, he's that good and gracious. And just to have that in our minds as believers, yeah. right? And and I guess where that really hits home for me, if I'm being really honest, sometimes I don't know I'm doing this, but it's like in my subconscious, I don't think I can be really honest with God mm. about how I'm feeling. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to put on a good face to God, yeah. which is right. an abomination, right? So yeah. like to be that... In tune with the gospel and um, who our Savior is, should help me be honest about yeah. how I'm feeling about things as God heals me through His Word and His Spirit and the community of the saints, like yeah. you've talked about. And so, just like Psalm 62, five through eight, are some of my favorite verses. And um, towards the end of that section, I know a lot of us are familiar with it, but um, verse eight says, "Trust in Him at all times, O people." pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So to your point, in terms of like worship, God's created us to feel certain things. The Psalms out of any book really seem to capture that. And that it's a call for God's people. Again, in view of the gospel, who Jesus is, but even just here in verse eight, we're to trust God at all times. So when times are good and when you're in crisis, trauma, whatever, and we're to pour out our heart before him and God just is a refuge for us. So I just mm-hmm. I hope this whole conversation is life giving for our church. But I think a key facet that sometimes we can just gloss over is like, we need to be honest. Yeah. Yep with God, with each other, pour out our heart before God, like he knows us better than we know ourselves. And we don't have to, we shouldn't put on a good face to mm. God. Does that make sense? Because yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes when we don't go to those emotions, yeah. uh, then we're just stuck with the event, what happened, that yeah. happened and I'm, I don't want to deal with it or... God knows. And, and then we actually never get to the
0: meaning that God is trying to pour out in our lives to shape us and sanctify us. Yes. And I love how you brought up earlier, like that has to happen in community mm because I can only see myself partly. Yeah. So I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to help me process that and really see it truly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And isn't, I mean, uh, the psalm. I'm glad you brought up the psalms because they're just such a powerful example of just that. Here's here's what's happened.
0: Yep.
1: Here's how I feel, but here's the meaning I'm ascribing to it, and so here's the strategy I'm going to do. Amen. Forward. Exactly. Yes. So I'm gonna. This thinks everyone's against me. All these people are things. I'm feeling helpless. I'm feeling like I'm in a pit and all this stuff. But God is faithful. He He knows what He's doing. He's He hasn't forgotten about me. He'll answer me when I I call. So. I'm going to praise his name. Yes. So, I, just I mean, on repeat. he just walks, he just walks through it. And I think that's why the Psalms are often so helpful as like a roadmap for our emotions because emotions are hard to like navigate, mm-hmm. even knowing what you're, you're feeling. So coming back to the Psalms and going, okay, I'm just going to read through these. And and then when it like dings in my heart, like, oh yeah,
0: that's, that is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Isn't God good? Oh, it's to, so good. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I know, you know, podcasts can't last, last forever. There's so <laughs> yeah. many more things I'd love to talk to you about maybe another time, but, uh, Hey, I really appreciate you. Praise God for you personally. You're, um, ministering to mm-hmm. me, encouraging me to our church. And I appreciate you taking the time to share this with us. Joel. Yeah, yeah, this great. Really good stuff. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. How about before we wrap it to a close, anything else you feel like should be said, could be said, feel like is important to say in regards to this. I always like to ask. some. Yeah, it's
1: good. Um, I think not being afraid to ask some of those questions. A lot of times we get mm-hmm. into the gist, of the gist of what happened and we can uh, we can not get there or we can just try and uh, um, just cookie cut, you know, just yeah. cover it over and be like, oh, and everything will be fine to not be able to stop. And sometimes well, how that, How's that make you feel? Or, mm-hmm. It looks like that's that's kind of like, tripping you up a little bit like what's Mm. what's going on having those real questions i think can it's it's
0: another bite of an apple the apple
1: you know what i mean and that we need that community uh, to help us do that
0: i'm going to remember that not to stuff the apple in the pocket yeah don't stuff the apple later just (laughs) a bite at a time oh that's awesome well thanks again for the podcast. thanks for the invite i love you guys oh it's mutual yeah Um, Well, Gresham Bible Church, I hope this conversation with Joel has been really helpful, enlightening, equipping. And if it brings up any questions for anyone or something more you want to talk about, uh, we would love to hear from you. And you can do that by reaching out to me at mike at greshambible.org. So um, I hope, again, this conversation has been helpful. Love you, Gresham Bible Church. Until next week.